At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. I feel like everybody's got to retire one day, right? And so... (laughs) If they have a plan. (laughs) If they have a plan, at some point they need to retire. Yes. Hello and welcome to Financials Podcast Future Rich. My name is Barbara Ginty and I am your host and also a CFP, which is a certified financial planner. And I am here with my guest today, my expert guest, Anna, Anna Jeter. Hi, Anna. Oh, Anna, you changed your name. Um, no, I haven't yet. Oh, but okay. I'm planning on it. <laughs> okay, so this is Anna Jeter. My apologies. I realized she had gotten married and I want to make sure I have your correct name. No, just one more thing I need to do, but I plan to do that here pretty soon. Well, thanks for coming on. I had wanted to bring on other female advisors to give our listeners another perspective on the career field of financial advice. Since I'm launching our coaching program in September, but so far they've only heard from me about what it is to be a financial advisor, what the career is like, why it's a great profession, I think specifically for women because it offers unlimited income and flexibility. Obviously, we'll talk about your career path, but just a disclaimer, it is not a silver bullet. This is not some sort of miracle career that you get into and it's unlimited income and flexibility in year one, but you can work your way in that direction and you can get to whatever level of income that you aspire to and the type of flexibility that you aspire to. So Anna, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into your career as a financial advisor, and we'll go from there. Yeah, Barbara. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I love listening to your podcast and um, I feel like you're doing a lot of great work that people really need to hear out there. So I was super excited whenever you asked me um, to be a guest here and especially an expert guest. Um, But a little bit about me, I've been a financial advisor for this October will be crazy 13 years. Wow. Uh, I know, I know. And I started out really young, early 20s. And um, here I am 13 years later, essentially running a business. Um, I work in partnership with my dad. Uh, But the way that I got started is, I mentioned my dad, 
um, whenever I was growing up, my dad was a financial advisor. And so things looked a little bit different then, you know, that was more of like the stock trading kind of times and days. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just grew up around the business and I randomly majored in agriculture. So I have, <laughs> it's not exactly. Well, I think it's sm- not as random from your, t- where are you based? Yes, actually. So that's a good point. I'm, I live in Arkansas and I grew up um, in the Arkansas Delta. So it's a lot of farm country. My family has a farm background, but, you know, I majored in agribusiness with no intention of getting into the financial uh, industry. So, yeah, that was that was not, you know, I didn't go to college to become a financial advisor. It just kind of worked out that way. Um, but I had that natural, it kind of came naturally to want to do it because my dad, my dad had a business and everything. Um, did you feel- Go ahead. Did you feel like you learned a lot from him growing up that you were interested in finances like throughout high school and college because you were around it or was it the opposite because you were around it you were like not interested in it? You know I wish I could say oh yeah I knew so much about it because I grew up around it and my dad was talking and educating my brother and I about xyz but not exactly the case. <laughs> He didn't push it on us. I think I just kind of really admired his career and the things he was able to do for people. And also he was able to spend a whole lot of time with, with us. Like he was always coaching our teams, um, always super involved. And, and looking back, you know, I was able to, I'm able to see that it, it was pretty flexible even at that point in time. So that had a big thing to do with it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the attractive features that I think the industry keeps hidden that you can have a flexible schedule when you get to a certain point, when you get your business to a comfortable level. Um, And just so that for the listeners know, we met at a conference. You found me on LinkedIn. Yes. And reached out to me because I also ended up getting, um, I purchased my dad's business as most of the listeners know, but we, that's how we ended up meeting. So you had read a story about me and then reached out to me. Yes, exactly. I've read a story about Barbara in a magazine and I was like, oh my gosh, I need to know this girl. And then we read well, the did a terrible problem. job responding. So if you've reached out to me and didn't respond, just try again, because I sometimes things slip through the crack. Well, I went a little, I went a little stalker, but we're really great friends. So it worked out. It worked out great. So you, after college then, because you majored in agriculture, did not go directly into personal finance. Exactly. No, I, um, this was coming out of a recession. You know, I got out of college in 2008 and hit the job force. And so it was basically, um, at that point in time, looking back, you know, I had a few job offers, but you did what you could at that point. And again, not a great majoring, market to go into as a oh, new grad. Looking back, we're a strong generation for dealing with all that. It just seemed kind of normal. But yes, I went to work for a large agribusiness company and I traveled all over the country. And then I ended up um, settling into another job here in my hometown of, or where I live now in, in Little Rock. And randomly enough, I was a wholesale fertilizer saleswoman. 
<laughs> great connections there. I still talk with my old p colleagues and people I worked with then and learned so much. Um, but yeah, it had nothing to do with this. I just wanted, I wanted to bring that up because I think a lot of um, what I hear from women about why they haven't pursued the career is because they either, you know, didn't have a background in finance or they think that um, they're not good at math or they are not good. They don't, they're overwhelmed by the concept of portfolio management. So I, you were doing fertilizer sales, study agriculture, had never really thought about going into the business despite growing up around it. So what was the impetus that made you switch over? I was ready for a change. You know, I decided I just wanted to try something new and I got presented with an opportunity to do that. And um, the impetus was again, like going to work for my family business and having the long, long term and long sight plan of, of, you know, running a business one day. Um, I would say one thing that I struggled with at the beginning, or I feel like could hold people back, and this may be not everybody, but it's an intimidating field to get into. Mm -hmm. That's what I felt like. But once I had a year or two under me and really had the time and commitment to learn, whether you're learning from like, you know, a mentor or just however that way to learn is, um, I finally came to realize, hey, <laughs> I actually know more about this than the ordinary Joe out there and I can actually help them. And so whenever I first started, I honestly just kind of fell into it, um, but really grew to love it once I understood that I could make an impact in people's lives. So that was, that was going to be my next question. Why do you, why did you end up staying with it for 13 years and what do you like most about it? You know, several reasons. I think it's constantly changing. Like I'm not doing the same thing on a day-to-day -day basis that I was two years ago or five years ago or 10 years ago. And probably two years from now, I will not hopefully be doing the same thing on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and I like that. I like not being in a rut. I also really enjoy connecting with people and, and, you know, like I mentioned, being able to help. We were, it's starting to become a focus now, I feel like, but people were never encouraged or trained to take their personal financial situation by the horns, so to speak, and mm -hmm. make something happen. And so it's really impactful to be able to sit at a table with a client and help them uh, plan for retirement and see them through retirement. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, very tangible results. Absolutely. Absolutely. So is there anything, obviously every career has pros and cons. What do you think would be one of the downsides of the career? You know, I think one of the downsides of, the, of this field and career is actually one of the upsides whenever you're successful also is that there's not a whole lot of women out there doing this, especially younger women. Mm -hmm. So that plays into the whole intimidation factor or it did for me. And so that is a downside, but it's actually can be turned into a positive whenever you see success and things like that, because you're like, wow, 
in a field completely dominated by men. I say completely, but overwhelmingly dominated by men. Yeah, 85%, I think, is the I number. Completely, yeah. Then you can say, okay, well, that kind of sucks, but I've been able to make it and and find and a seed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And um, I feel like people come to respect that and, and people sometimes prefer having female advisors. And then again, also, you know, the thing that I mentioned that I liked about it, constantly changing. You do have to keep up with everything. That's true. Yeah, it's not like you learned your skill set and then forget. Exactly. You cannot be gone for a month or six months, two months, sometimes even two weeks things change and you have to keep up with everything. That's yeah. I do think that is one thing that's not talked about that in order to do a, a good job by your client, you need to be up to date on everything that's happening. Right. And that's kind of up to you to figure out mm-hmm. you know? It's up to you to keep up with it and you find the outlets to do it. Yeah, absolutely. So I will, this, so this is one of the reasons that I think we don't, my opinion, but from what I've interviewed women that we don't see more women is because as you said, it's an intimidating field to get into. And I hear a lot that they're worried about not being able to do math trading or portfolio management. So what would you say to that? How much trading portfolio management and math do you think is necessary? You know, the math thing is that that's not a thing for me. I pull out a calculator in front of my clients. Like I do calculations in front of them all the time. No one is expecting. And what kind of calculations? I just want someone else to say this. Is it derivative statistics or is it? Adding, subtracting, division. I mean, I'm not. Like third grade. Nothing crazy. Yeah. Third grade, fourth grade math. Yeah. So let's get over that hurdle. We do not have to know how to do those things you're talking about, I don't even know what they are. <laughs> so, um, no, we, you don't have to know, uh, be just a proficient or a math major in college or anything. And yeah, so I would say that that's a non-issue. Um, portfolio management, sometimes we do outsourcing of that. And so, that's not really a thing all the time that I'm spending my days fielding calls, taking trades, rebalancing. I would say I'd spend 10 to 15% of my time doing that type of work. So there are options out there where, you know, you don't have, that doesn't have to be your main focus. My focus is to advise clients, Mm -hmm. not to be uh, an analyst. Yeah, I think that's another big misconception is that a lot of the trading is outsourced and the rebalancing and asset allocation is outsourced. And then you're advising your client on the overall financial picture, not as specific down to the stock or that stock. And that's what it used to be when our dads were in it. Exactly. And I think a good way to kind of look at that and compare it to another field is if I go to the doctor and I say, hey, my leg hurts. I'm not expecting them to get out all of their medicines and combine it into one tablet and then give that to me. You know, they're going to prescribe me something and I go to the pharmacy and pick that up by a pharmacist who made something. The doctor is telling me what I need. Yep. Yeah, but not necessarily. Yeah, we're, we're implementers is I think another way to 
we help people implement the plan or the strategy, but we're not the one doing the actual portfolio management. And, and there are people who like to do that and they can do that, but it's not, you don't have to do it. And I would say probably when you first started, you didn't do it at all. Yeah, I mean, things have changed and times have changed in this business, even since you and I've been in it. And so, you know, I, I think that it's a lot more reasonable to be able to hire out portfolio managers to do things than maybe it was 10, 15 years ago. Years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because these past few months, I've been trying to prioritize my health as I recover from a nasty case of long haul COVID. I like that it takes the mental work out of getting my vitamins and supplements because with just one scoop of AG1, you're getting 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens. It's super simple to incorporate into my morning routine because there's virtually no prep required and it tastes great. Plus, it's cheaper than a fancy coffee habit. Another thing I like about Athletic Greens is that they are a climate neutral certified company. If you want to give it a try, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one year supply of immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash future rich. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash future rich to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And so, all right, so we'll say that math is a non-issue as long as you can use a calculator and do addition, subtraction, some basics. Right, right. And then trading and portfolio management is not a big portion of your day. And No, it's not. If I wanted it to be, it could be. You know, we have that flexibility. Um, but no, it's, it's not the way I run my business. And then let's talk about the flexibility that it can offer. Now, I always like to disclaim that your business is what you put into it. So if you only work 25 hours a week, then, then your income is going to reflect that you did 25 hours a week and so forth. So what is your vision? Like, where did you start? Where's your vision going and how does that play into income and flexibility? Yeah, so um, I'm still pretty old school. I like to come to the office all the time. Even during the pandemic, I came to the office. Um, Probably just had to do with wanting to get out of the house. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, as I mentioned, when I started 13 years ago, you know, I'm logging every single hour at the office and making sure I'm doing what I need to do to build something for down the line if I want to be able to take off the afternoon early or work from home or or whatever, as long as you're set up, um, you can really work this business from anywhere. And I think that is really appealing. And I know a lot of, a lot of, you know, businesses have become that way, but I could be working from my kitchen table right now and, and it'd be fine, you know, talking to clients on the phone. Mm -hmm. I can also sign out for the day and there's always going to be work to be done. So I think you're exactly right. I mean, you, you get out of it, what you put into it. And at first, of course, just like anything, you have to work hard and and get there. It doesn't happen overnight. 
Um, but we've both seen, I think, through our our dads and other other advisors that we know have the capability to um, work really hard and then take time for yourself and your family and 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 still have success. So I think that it's you know it's not like we have to be CPAs during tax time all the time. Right, where you're in there doing 15 hour days and that's that's your exactly. business. Exactly. Yeah, I absolutely agree. My dad was very involved with us growing up. He didn't coach any sports teams, I will say that. But you know, he picked us up, got us ready for school, picked us up from school, was very involved. And I think that yeah. that is definitely one aspect that isn't highlighted enough, especially for women, because so many women take have to take a step back with their career when they have kids. And yeah. with this career, you don't. Absolutely. I know you can, you can build it how you build your hours, how you want to build them. And of course it's a professional job. So, you know, you're not going to be calling clients at 10 PM at night. <laughs> but yeah. There's no reason why you should not be able to have the flexibility to, to be with your family or if you don't have with a family, do what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my, I know my dad never went in. He was just a late person. So he always worked late. He would get us up ready for school. And then I don't, I think then he came back and had coffee and read the paper and everything. So I think he went to work at like 9.30 or maybe yeah. 10. And then he'd pick us up from school, drive us home and then go back to the office. So it was just, he had those blocks in his calendar where like school pickup, drop off. And my then dad did the same. He picked us up also. Yep. Which is really really nice that you, if you build your business that way, you can say, okay, or I'm going to be coaching on Thursday, so I leave work Thursday at two. Yeah, exactly. If you block, if it's a space on your calendar that you can do it, and then also, you know, part of of meeting people, if you need to do that in this business, is going out and finding something you or doing something you like to do. Whether like for me, I like to play tennis, or I did. I don't play as much anymore. But you know that's a great way to network and meet people and and have perspective meet prospective clients and so um, it's not just a desk job you can get out there and utilize the things and hobbies you like and maybe get a client or two out of it. So let's talk a little bit about that because that's another intimidating factor about how do you bring in new business because I think that's one of the reasons so many people fail, um, which is why I like the concept of it. If you wanted to start out, you could start out as a side hustle or you could buy a business. You've bought a bit, bought a business already. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you could do either way. And it goes back to what you said. You get out of it what you put into it. But yeah, you can go out and and just like I feel like everybody's got to retire one day, right? And so <laughs> if they have a plan, <laughs> if they have a plan, at some point they need to retire. Yes. And, or, you know, maybe someone has money sitting in the bank, too much money in the bank, or just inherited something or whatever. People need help and they need guidance. And so it's just out there talking about what you're doing. And, um, and I would say in a down to earth kind of way, you know, I, mm -hmm. I gravitate towards the type of people who speak on my lane at my level. And so I would never be attracted to a, a person who talked way over my head. And I think that's what this business really needs. And so 
you know, I think just being out there doing the things you enjoy doing and talking about it is a, a one way to, to get some clients going. And then it all will build from there with referrals and things like that. Yeah, I think time in the business helps as well. But okay. and as and as you said, I end up having a lot of clients that do similar things to me, like skiers, runners, travelers. Yeah. You end up kind of attracting this similar type of people. For sure. And, you know, it, yeah, it doesn't happen overnight. And as long as you know that and you've got a little bit of a time commitment um, and a period of time where you, you know, just like with starting anything, you don't just set up a sign outside your house and you've got a, a successful business already. No, absolutely. Yeah, there's no silver bullet. Um, and then the other thing I guess we haven't really touched on is income. So I think one of the misconceptions here, because a lot of the banks um, or wirehouses, when you start, you start on either a drawer or I can't say that word properly. I think my New York accent, but you start, which is basically you're borrowing money from the company, you owe it back, or they put you on a salary for two years. And after that, you go to commission. So I, I think that's another misconception that it's a commission-based business still, and it's really not anymore, or doesn't most people yeah, are not commission-based. It, it doesn't have to be. You can structure it however you want to. Um, I think people out there, like clients, don't want to pay commissions. Mm -hmm. They rather pay um, a fee for your advice or a fee for holding and managing their money. And so it doesn't have to be a deal where you know you have to go sell something to make make money for the month um you build it up and and you've got fees and things coming in recurring, um, recurring that's the word i'm looking for evergreen um and then you know you maintain the relationship with the client and continue to give your advice and the fees continue to come in um yeah, the days. I think of that's just a big advantage over real estate is you're not starting from zero. Exactly, the days of like buying and selling a stock and earning a big commission—that's not what we do. Um, so, if we have clients that want to do that, I mean, it just depends if we, you know, we do that for the client. But that's not a good way to make a. That's not a, the way I would want to make a, earn a living is always being out there looking to sell a stock. No, I, yeah, I agree. That's We have very similar business structures. And I think that a lot of people have this structure where you build a long-term relationship with the client. It's more financial guidance and advice than stock picking portfolio management. And then it's a recurring fee that you charge for that service. Exactly, exactly. And that works out better for you and it works out better for your client because your client know or your you know your client knows that if you do have a recommendation on them to do something it it's not because you need to go buy a new pair of shoes <laughs> not trying to make yeah trying not to, to make a commission on it exactly exactly so and you would say what has been the most positive aspect of, I know you said the impact and the tangible, but do you want to give us like a real life example of someone not mentioning names, obviously, because everything's confidential, but like an example of. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, I would group this into not a specific example, like not one particular client. Mm -hmm. meeting. 
Um, but in general, it's working for me, it's working with the clients who have been working in the same position or same career for, for years and it's time for them to retire. And some people come and, you know, they don't, they've been focused on their career the whole time. You know, this is a profession, it's a job that <laughs> it's not really up to them to figure out how to retire. Mm -hmm. And so it's really um, gratifying to me getting that type of client that knows they need to retire. They just don't know how to do it and trying to get and achieve their same lifestyle in retirement. Right. Yeah. That's a big, a big worry for a lot of people is if they do this, what does their life look like? Exactly. That's one of the biggest fears of, of my uh, clients we work with is what type of cut and in income am I going to get? And am I going to run out of money in retirement? Mm -hmm. Being able to build that plan for them. And like I said, see them through the process and it's not just a one and done, you know, and here's your plan and thanks for coming. It's a relationship that we have. So I think that has been one of the things that has kept me really engaged in this business is being able to provide that service and also keeping up with the tools to be able to implement the successful plan for people. Yeah, it's nice to be able to see. And then I'm sure you have a lot of people that come back and thank you or you get to see them reap the rewards of their retirement. Yeah, absolutely. And then on the flip side of that, I'm just thinking about it. I had the opportunity to work um, with a friend from high school and she she needed some financial help because she is a high net worth individual because of her job and had several different um, components to her employer plan and just needed some guidance with that. And I was able to provide that. And we it's been really cool watching that relationship grow from being in high school and now we're working together with money stuff. Yeah, that's neat. So. So Anna, what would you, if someone was listening to the podcast and thinking, okay, now that I know I don't need to do complex math equations, I don't really have to be a good portfolio manager, stockbroker, trader, and this does seem interesting to me, what do you think would be the next step or what advice would you give somebody who wants to get into this field? I would say, you know, simply go for it. Check out what you need to check out to get in it. Obviously you have to get licensed mm -hmm. uh, to be able to provide advice. What do you have to lose to try? You know, if you're looking for a career change, I think this is a great, a, a great, and honestly a perfect time to dive in head first because there are more and more people looking for advice every single day. And they're looking for personalized advice. No one wants to call the 800 number and talk to a robot. And that's what people get. And so there is a real need. And, and you know, I, I don't know how to say, here's what you need to do X, Y, Z. But I would say, if you have an interest, go for it. And expect it to take a couple of years to see success. Well, perfect. Well, Anna, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Oh, no. Thank you for having me, Barbara. This is awesome. And for all of our lovely listeners, you can find our most up-to-date information on Instagram at the Future Rich Podcast and on our website, www.futurerichpodcast.com. Thanks, Barbara. At Parker, our purpose is simple. 
We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.